you know, that was a decision that two people made. The director and God. Um, but, <laughs> I don't think God but, was a part of that. Don't, no. don't, don't, don't put God that on made, God. Don't put that on just, God. God made her voice, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and I'm sure for some uses... Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Super Agile Bros. Uh, this is your boy, Bradston. Uh, also with our boys, Kyle and Steve in the building. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Uh, but, you know, this is just a podcast where we talk about everything and nothing. So let's uh, let's see what we talk about today. So, OK, OK. So I know Steve, he actually asked me before we started this recording, like, what are we going to talk about today? And he brought up Borderlands 3 because, like... What was that like? A week ago or two weeks ago, we played Borderlands Three. It was a week ago. Yeah, like it felt like longer. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so many years. You know how many times have I uh, uninstalled, installed, and uninstalled that game, dude? I can't even. I can't even tell you. But I feel like Borderlands Three is one of those games that deserves a discussion because it's the game that you like want to love, mm-hmm. but like it won't I don't know. You. Yeah, like. So I guess let me ask you guys, what do you guys feel about Borderlands Three? You know, and we'll just talk some some BL Three, baby. So I think we all have a shared love of Borderlands Two, yeah. Which, which was kind of I guess the catalyst that got us into Borderlands Three to begin with, um, since a lot of the reviews and stuff said it was more of the same, you know. And so that was my my thinking going into it. What about you guys? Oh, like my expectations. Yeah, I was excited. Um, I, yeah, like you said, I enjoyed Borderlands 2. I had never played any other Borderlands game. My entire experience, uh, pretty much was just playing with you guys and y'all are fun to play with. So that was good. And I figured, Hey, it can't get any worse. Right. Cause <laughs> at least if, if the game has the same mechanics and it engenders the same kind of uh experiences then playing with kyle and brad will still be fun even if the reviews were talking about how they didn't really innovate any and how the uh the dialogue was uh, made them weary and Um, i underestimated that (laughs) unbearable would be a word that i'd like to use like so so you know like i feel you guys like we played Borderlands 2 first, and that was awesome, right? Because, like, at that point, me and Steve were, yeah, we were living to, we were at the same house, right? We were living together. Yeah, yeah. so we were playing split screen, and then, like, Kyle would play oh, with yeah. us. So, like, there was a whole other element to that, like, me and Steve being in the same room, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that was super fun. And then Borderlands 2 was just a awesome game, like, hands down. And, um, you know, I played Borderlands 1, the original, and it was, like, a, like nothing I'd ever played. So, you know, I had high expectations for Borderlands 2, but, like, we jump into Borderlands 2, and I'm like, yo, this is better. Like, this is exactly what I was hoping Borderlands 1 would be, you know, like, like in a way, you know, even though I didn't know what to expect. I think, for me, Borderlands 3, I wish it was more of the same, to be honest. Like, if anything, I just wish it was, like, DLC. <laughs> yeah. Like, Like, it almost feels like they went too hard trying to make it cooler but it just made it 
not Borderlands? I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, I think I Borderlands, it was like, it succeeded by having a whole lot of stuff, but it didn't feel like a whole lot. Whereas Borderlands 3, it feels like they intentionally tried to pack the game with as much as they could. So like you said, yeah. people are constantly talking, so there's not a moment oh, of silence. God. Then the loot drops feel like they like everything's insignificant because <laughs> there's a whole lot more of it. And then there's like duplicates of stuff, which I didn't really encounter much in Borderlands 2. So it just feels like too much. I, Yeah, so I think just numerically, it was cool that they added so many new ways to modify your gun like oh your gun can walk off and kamikaze people now like mm-hmm. that's that's fun but it, and there's a couple other things like that that are new and different uh-huh. um but two problems one i felt like they really leaned into the new stuff mm. and there were some old some old mechanics that i liked from the from borderlands 2 that i didn't necessarily see represented it's been a while since i played borderlands 2 yeah but i just remember feeling like i missed certain guns and the other problem with that is that i don't really feel like the new mechanics like they're cool but i don't think that they really added to my game experience you You know as i'm playing i'm like cool my gun can walk off but like is that fun is that something i can use strategically Mm -hmm. that's a good point i don't know You, you i have you guys ever played um is it Halo 4? Yeah, yeah, Halo 4. Because Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3 were made by Bungie, right? Like the original yeah. developers. And then Halo 4 is made by, uh, uh, what was it? 343. 343 Studios. 404. Industries. Industries. Sorry, not even studios. Man, they, they're industrial. But um, you know what's interesting? Like, I really like Halo 4, kind of. Like, I enjoyed it. But it kind of felt like, like, okay, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I feel like Borderlands 3 feels like the Halo 4 of the Halo series in the sense that it was like a lot of people who loved the game and who really enjoyed different aspects. Oh, I love the loot. Oh, I love the goofy dialogue. Oh, I love, you know, the crazy guns that do crazy things. And, you know, they they really like felt very enamored by these things and they said it would be better if we just had more of it and like in halo 4 they do a good job of balancing out like hey let's make a good game we'll do a lot of fan service and things that people like you know Ooh, you know cortana is now kind of a love interest you know but in like borderlands 3 just like oh man <laughs> borderlands 2 had such witty dialogue what if we added more witty dialogue <laughs> you know like everybody's the comic relief exactly yes. everybody oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness dude you're that's it <laughs> <laughs> yo like everybody has to be funny everybody has to be a tiny tina if you play borderlands 2 you know what i mean like just wacky kind of character you know um, right. zany zany is a perfect word and then like i think you mentioned it like the loot like because people love loot right like all these wacky guns are cool like fire powers and electricity it's like they were like people love that so let's give them even more guns with even more weird stats and Mm -hmm. you know so it kind of like make guns like yo like you pick a thing up that you think is great and then it shoots some weird bullets that shoot up remember i had some gun that shot bullets upward (laughs) (laughs) yeah remember that like what is completely useless i had a sniper rifle that was really cool because when you got headshots 
or maybe it wasn't even headshots. I think it was just when you shot somebody, it would like rain down like a comet on them mm. or something. Like oh, it was, that's it dope. was like a, it was super dope, but the damage was so low. <sighs> it was like a, it was like a sniper rifle that did fourteen damage. Oh no! <laughs> so I grew I grew out of it way too fast. I'm like I can't keep using it because it's trash. Yeah. yeah so yeah, that were, brings up a. Yeah, oh. go ahead, Kyle. I was gonna say yeah, that brings up a really good point about because that's one of the things. I think the loot, the difference between the loot for Borderlands three and two is that it, like I think one of y'all mentioned it, you, you did you you wanted to keep a gun and have a play style, and like the guns matched your character's loadout, which also made more sense, and it was just like mm-hmm. everything felt harmonious. But in Borderlands three, you're kind of working against the things you find because it's all you have, all you pretty much have to work on or work. Or compare it to the last thing that you were just using is if it does more damage because all the other things are either arbitrary or even when you see them in action you still don't really understand what exactly it's doing yeah it's almost like it was too deep like the mechanics mm-hmm. had such a high skill floor that we were not powerful enough to understand like, how to <laughs> take not advantage enough to understand yeah. the power that is in your hands we, we just couldn't comprehend how to take advantage of the fancy sniper rifle mm-hmm. that shoots up in the air, you know? You know, Kyle, you made a point that I, I just occurred to me. When we played Borderlands 2, I felt like even, you know, like, you know how there was different classes for mm-hmm. each, like, different character? And they were mm-hmm. very clear, like, the difference. Like, it kind of, at least to me, it felt really clear. And You mean the skill tree? Yeah, like, like oh, like, if you're zero, you're this type of player. If you're, you know... The uh-huh. big brute guy, you're this type of player. And it kind of led to how you would even engage with weapons, right? Like, yeah. Because I was more stealthy and, you know, so on and so forth. I would be like snipers and like like shotguns worked really well for me. But like in this game, I don't feel like the weapons really. Like, first of all, my class is kind of cool. I kind of think it's pretty cool or whatever, kind of, sort of. But like, it just doesn't feel like there was that. I don't know if it's, they considered that when they made it in two or something or if it just naturally happened, but I don't know. What, what, did y'all feel that? Like the weapons? Well, well, maybe, I guess, Kyle, you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll agree that the weapons felt like maybe they were non-specific enough to where, because yeah, in, in, in Borderlands 2, I was the commando, I think. And so mm-hmm. I had a little turret and so I could pretty much use whatever weapons, you know, and it wasn't, and and so like I could use the sniper if I wanted to. I didn't feel like I was at a disadvantage. While now in Borderlands Three, I'm playing this character who's actually kind of similar to Commando because I have something I can drop, but it's a pet, and I have very little control over the pet. He's like oh, yeah. this, he's this monkey with a <laughs> pistol, and he shoots without discretion. Oh, George. <laughs> Oh, George. He throws barrels. <laughs> he throws explosive barrels. Right. And they they cause status effects on us, which look like damage, mm-hmm. but I think they're not. But the biggest thing is I don't have any weapons that complement either of us. Because if I shoot from far, from far away, I steal his kills, mm-hmm. which him doing damage helps him to like get stronger and stuff. And then when I throw him out, it also buffs me. Where I have like faster movement or something, like things that I don't know how to use in any scenarios <laughs> with the weapons I have. Yeah, that is weird. 
Yeah. Uh, so the reason, here's my thing. I don't know if I agree with the premise that Borderlands 2 had characters that had very defined, well-structured classes. Because I feel like you mentioned Zero, and you kind of said it yourself, like, you could use a sniper because you're sneaky, or you could use a shotgun. Those aren't really part of the same <laughs> class of playstyle. That's fair. Well, and I, I have an opinion about that, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. But yeah, I, I, it felt to me, the way I would describe Borderlands 2 was that your player had a class, but within that class, there was still a lot of room to specialize. So with Zero, you, I think, I don't remember, you can tell me better than I can probably, but if I remember correctly with Zero you could really specialize with like the far range stuff and like get really good and like power up your headshots kind of thing. Or you could focus on melee using your sword and like cutting through people and being invisible and stuff like that. And gauge the necromancer was kind of similar. I went with a, uh, I would start with like trying to do far distance stuff, but as I picked up kills and her aim gets worse with more kills, I moved to shotguns and her damage also gets better with more kills. So, like, I was just busting in there with shotguns and electrifying people. And, you know, there's, there's like, different play styles, I would say, for each character. It's not just, like, one play style. And I think the same is the true for Borderlands 3. I don't know if I can say those are better or worse or the same. See, maybe we didn't play enough. They don't feel good to me. But, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I was going to say, like, I think you you actually kind of, said what i was so number one I, it's not shotguns you're right it's melee um for zero oh but um but yeah yeah that's exactly the point you know like you can either really become like this super sniper kind of guy or you could be the the melee type so it changes your play style but i couldn't play like uh the macromancer like it felt very different like you could i could tell that even the way that we approached fights was very very different you know yes. like oh like my goal i want to go hit a dude because it gives me a buff and the more people i hit like with my melee the more buffs i get and then the more ridiculous i get and then you know i do close range and i can go invisible and then i make duplicate you know like it kind of like stacked but like honestly dude like the dude i'm playing with first of all i don't even know his name i don't even know <laughs> to be dead honest um <laughs> the fact that i remember zero is amazing um but zero is cool that's why yeah and and um, he's in this game too yeah and you know it's like the a re, you know returning thing the characters show up in the, the the next game but um yeah dude he throws out a weird shield and then a robot right and i get it like okay he's kind of like a technological kind of person like but it doesn't really feel like it just feels like a dude with abilities instead of like these really make me play differently. Like, mm. I don't, and like, it doesn't, like, I don't know how many times I've thrown that shield out in front of us and everybody just ignores it. <laughs> like, even myself. <laughs> like, like it's supposed to be helpful, but like, we just run through it and just fight people because it's kind of, kind of <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just like, shoot people. Like, that's kind of what it feels. And then... Also, my aim was kind of bad, so I want to get close. Mm -hmm. But there's Frankly. not really the, I don't think there's the urgency in this game when you have, especially when you have three people who are competent at shooters, there's really no urgency to throw a shield and be like, okay, we got to heal up in the shield or use it tactfully mm -hmm. or anything. So maybe that's part of it, disconnect too. Do you think Borderlands 2 was more tactical? I remember, I remember, yeah, I remember us having like, Steve was, was the necromancer and he would use his ability to like hold people up in the air and then. Oh, no, no. No, no, that's uh, the. What? 
the uh, when we played with Tasha, she would play as the siren. And she oh, that wasn't you. I, I, I also played with uh, Simon, and he plays that character. So I thought you did that one too. But anyway, no, no I felt yeah, I was. I had still, that murder bot. You had what? I had that murder bot. Remember? Vaguely. Oh gosh! Now we got to play Borderlands two again. <laughs> we have it, so we're <laughs> going to be playing it soon. Like we're going to. But sorry, what were we saying, Kyle? So either way, I guess maybe that's just the something I'm. I'm not getting from this game, especially coming off of Apex, is that it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of tactics involved with the combat or the guns. Like it just feels like all haphazard. Mm-hmm. But you know, I would say I would say like we played Borderlands three almost right after we played Borderlands two, and we all kind of sensed something was off, right? Like it wasn't apparent. And what was our what was our go to? Oh, if we play longer, it'll get better, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's and maybe that's just a bad like game like habit we have growing up playing games where like the game has like a slow start and it gets better. But I feel like we all kind of sense like, huh, there's something different about this. You know, it was like very subtle, and it's still hard for me to describe exactly. But I mean, I know one thing that's garbage about that game. The UI is the like, Oh, it's so bad. How, how, how could you get worse? Like not that Borderlands had the greatest UI, but it was at least did the job. This one is so bad. I don't think we ever didn't know how to do something in Borderlands too. We Right. Yeah. I think there were a couple of things that were confusing at first, but mm-hmm. then eventually started making sense. But in this game, yeah, it just feels like it's always, <laughs> you're always fighting against it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And like, even the skill tree is super confusing to me. Like, I kind of, like, before it was like pretty simple in Borderlands 2. Like, you get five, you, you fill up this row with, you know, amount of like attribute points or whatever. Then you get the next row, right? And then you select the one that you want to like use and it just buffs you. But this one, I think they went wrong when they went with the weird swapping out system. I think they thought that that would be interesting and you could customize your character more. But, dude, like, there's, like, so many different things you can swap out and it's really hard to just tell. Yeah. You know, like, it was kind of obvious, like, oh, like, when Zero hits a dude, like, I don't know, like, I could feel the difference for some reason. Like, even if it was a percentage difference, you know? Mm -hmm. This game, it doesn't feel that way. So... Here's what I had to say about that. When you first mentioned, when we were talking before, you mentioned the skill tree. And I was thinking in my head, like, what is he talking about? There was always three skill trees. Now I understand what you mean. You're talking about, there's, there's like, so, all right, I'll just talk about my skill tree because I haven't seen yours, but from what I understand, it's different. So with my skill tree, I have my, my, whatever, my ultimate, my skill. I can switch between three different skills. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're super different. One is like uh, kind of a, a blast out in front of me. One is another blast out in front of me, which is there. I guess it's, it's more of like a trail. It sounds like than the a same thing, but projectile. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, yeah, it's totally I'm, I'm, it's, I'm it's different. <laughs> um, and then the third is a big fat ground pound, essentially. And so one is for ranged, one is for like medium, and one is for close range. Uh, I don't like having to i don't know i just kind of wish it was one and then on top of that there's uh like modifiers that you can unlock Mm -hmm. so it's like oh now the now when when any of my attacks hit somebody they they release a nova of my element uh or oh this i don't know this this is it just feels too broad and i think that's what we're talking about earlier is that i don't know how to 
how to optimize my skill tree. Like we have so many options, but a lot of them don't feel like they lead anywhere. One thing I do like is that the siren, I forgot her name too, not Maya, I don't think. Maya was the last siren. Uh, but my character, she can switch between her active elements. So like by default, she uses electricity, but you can also use fire or uh, or acid, I think. Mm. Um, which is cool because like depending on who you're fighting, I could just pause my men- my game really quick switch to a different uh, a different element and then be be like you know set up to fight you know the guy with lots of armor or the guy with a big hefty shield but then we get to the ui problem again i don't know how to disable the way it works is that by default your electricity and then you enable one of these modifiers on top of that to overwrite it i don't know how to disable those modifiers to get back to electricity <laughs> oh gosh so i'm just stuck with fire or acid well see that's the thing and, and i think really annoying i think what you're describing is my experience with my character there's three different pains they all like one's a robot one's the shield and one's something else that i still don't really understand what i, I mean that's a whole other thing i think that's the problem like i don't connect with what the abilities are like they're not obvious to me but that's a whole, mm-hmm. that's probably like, that might be a personal problem. But, um, you know, uh, the thing is like the swapping of the slots. Like I have like s- multiple slots that I can swap in and out things, but it's not super, it's just, I don't know. I think overall the swapping of things versus just the additive nature of Borderlands 2, which was cool. It just, exactly. It just stacked. You know, just stacked and you got better and better instead of like, oh, like now I don't have the ability to do the thing that I really enjoyed for 80% of the game because I got to a new <laughs> tier and I have to switch out to something else that's not the thing that I like. <laughs> right. Know? I don't want to make choices. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> I want to make choices. I want to I wanna make to choices. <laughs> I want to make choices about what I upgrade next. Yeah. You know, like, and then, oh, well, I want to do this, but I guess it has to wait. I don't want to make a choice where it's like, oh, well, I want to do this, but I can't because I chose something else instead. Mm. Uh, Opportunity. You know, I mean, I know I, a lot of skill trees are like that where you have to make choices, and that's fine, but I feel like they just really went overboard. Yeah, I think the strength in Borderlands 2 was that the skill tree was simpler in the way that you had every the character only had one, one ultimate. And then one ultimate. you spent your time growing that ultimate into what you wanted to do with it. And so yeah. having yeah. it split across three makes whatever you choose seem less significant, I think. And then I guess I'll explain how my character works too, since you guys explained yours. <laughs> yeah, what what's so, your so, character? I like what, what So So his name is the animal guy. Fla- Flake, I think. F L four K. I don't know how I to think say it's flak. It, it must flak. be flak, right? Yeah. So Dandruff it has a <laughs> a pet and also he has an ability for himself and in choosing your ultimate as well as like a secondary thing i i know i'm getting some of it wrong because i try to spend as little time in there as possible (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) so i can choose between the monkey who i found to be the best of the three a um a a scab the little dog things a scab oh yeah scag and the the bird, not birds, like pterodactyls, bats. Racks? Racks, yeah. And so I can have <laughs> one of those three, but the rack had become available after I'd used one of the other two for a while, and it's like a projectile, so it doesn't fill the slot of my... 
I don't know, but this is the part where I'm at where it's just super confusing. And then on top of that, it's also introducing me to me ways of like improving my stealth and mobility and, you know, giving me these options between choosing between um, upgrading myself or my pet. And it feels very, what's the word? Like It doesn't feel uniform, I guess. Like it's pulling me apart. Oh man, it's like an internal it's, dilemma. <laughs> it is tearing you apart, Lisa. <laughs> exactly. And so, I would really appreciate if I had one ability as Flack, Flake, and then you know, switching between the different creatures is a cool thing. I'm fine with that. But you know, why so many options? Hmm. I think we can all agree that. The teleporting UI at the terminals is just garbage. Oh man, we it, like this, it has the meeting. Dude, this it's like this game, like it's like we go point by point, like <laughs> the UI, the gameplay. Like, yeah, man, the the map system, like, dude, like, why would you make your main like hub the most confusing thing ever? Oh, dude, the ship, dude, yeah, fast, like, so like. Bad. And I get that you want to make this cool, like, multi-level, like, ship or whatever, because it's a spaceship, like, <laughs> and and I know in the Borderlands 2, it was like you were just in a city, you know, but, like, dude, like, it's like they fired their whole level design team or something. Like, <laughs> I, like, I much prefer the city. Yeah, the city was just flat, like, things here, things here, and it was, like, even though it was, like, not the most iconic location, like, you could get landmarks enough to figure out it was where you functional did. exactly it, it was it did have landmarks and it was functional mm-hmm. yeah i mean i guess i guess the ship kind of has landmarks but i mean the map is 2d why would you give us the main <laughs> hub in a 3d space with a 2d map <laughs> mm. <laughs> why well they have a 3d map it is 3d if you it's if you open the map you can like if you open the map, yeah, you have access to a 3D representation of the space. But the little mini map in the corner when you're just pl- running mm-hmm. around is just 2D. And I, think- I feel like it's. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, you good. Go ahead, Kyle. I was gonna say, I feel like the spaceship is also needlessly asymmetric because yes. when it's on the ground and it's asymmetrical, then you know you still you you'll run in a circle. So eventually you'll find the thing you're looking for. But when you're trying to go up or down, but a staircase is only in this specific area to bring mm. you specifically down to this area, It's it feels terrible. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've ended up in that same weird, like, back bottom training area. I don't even know. Like, I can't even tell you what an area is. It just feels like a whole bunch of corridors with a whole bunch of different steps and ladder kind of situations and, like, doors. Just, man, it's... You get a feel for it eventually. But you, I mean... But you can't just say, oh, let's meet at Moxie's place and we get there. Like, we have to have an indicator on the map. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even then, you kind of have to know, like, all right, Moxie's place is on the second floor. So make sure you go down on the second floor before you head over here. Because if you go <laughs> over here first, you're trapped. You're not going to, you're trapped. You have to go, oh, st- go to the staircase. Yeah. Yeah, that junk sucks. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where it's just like, I don't know. It's, like, I, I can't, I mean, I, I've developed games, Kyle's developed games, and Steve, you have, you know, in some, I've seen games. you know, and you've, tr- you know, tr- <laughs> oh, gone, really? tried, you know, you're aware of the development process, but it's like, what, what is going through the team that can allow something, you know, like, 
Is it because they were, they're so used to it that they can't tell that it's bad? You know, like... It's, like they're biased. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, you know, when, when me and Kyle were making Amber, like, why we needed you to come in and play test is because we started making stuff and we were like, this feels really great. And then we gave it to you and you were like, what in the world? Like, what is happening? Why is this bear chasing me? You know, like, well, I know why a bear is chasing me. <laughs> That's obvious. You know, like there's no objectivity when you're too yeah. close to your own, you know, after a point. Maybe that's the whole problem with Borderlands 3, you know? Maybe. That just seems like such a simple answer. Like, surely everyone knows that that's a common pitfall that you should watch out for. Especially a large development studio. like An experienced development studio. And they got it so right with the the prequel. Yeah. Yeah. The prequel or the the, the previous game? Yeah. Previous game. (laughs) I mean, technically that's a prequel, right? No. A sequel... I guess the sequel I mean, has to. Not, oh, now we're gonna get into some real crazy conversation about what determines what a prequel. Because if something, okay, okay. So the first game, okay. So about Borderlands, if you're making three things in a row, right? Borderlands three, Borderlands, I mean Borderlands one, Borderlands two, Borderlands three. The game prior to Borderlands three is the prequel, right? It precedes it, right? If, in a loose sense, right? Like if you're talking about the relationship between two games you can say that but i wouldn't i wouldn't call borderlands 2 a prequel because it was made before the game whereas what is it called borderlands the pre-sequel oh god that's a that's a prequel it's set before a previous game Hmm. so in my mind as long as the games come out in chronological order as as the story goes or whatever there are no prequels there's only sequels yes so let let me ask y'all a question is there any other game series that you ever like played where you're like, dude, we didn't need a sequel? Like, like I feel like I wanted a sequel from Borderlands Two because I enjoyed Borderlands Three so much, but like, mm-hmm. but like I don't know if I think you said that wrong. Yeah, I enjoyed Borderlands Two so much that I was looking forward to Borderlands Three, but like in a way, oh. I would have preferred if Borderlands Three was never made personally. Um, and wait, wait, wait. You're saying, so <laughs> now that it's come out, no, no, you said that right, but I'm asking. Okay. Uh, now that it's come out, you're saying, I wish it hadn't been made? Yes. Or you're saying, <laughs> or you're saying that, you know, I always wanted it, but I also realized it wouldn't be good, so I didn't really want it. Uh, retroactively, I wish it had okay. never been made. Yeah. Like, I oh, okay. honestly I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, Borderlands th- 3, Borderlands 9, like, it's going to be great, you know? Uh, but... It. It's hard. It's hard to justify the state the game's in. Like I don't think anybody expected it to be this. Yeah, we haven't even talked about performance on the on the base PlayStation. That junk uh, chugs. Chug luck, man. <laughs> Yo, I, I think I was telling y'all I've been playing Hyrule Warriors with my wife. Son, they were not ready for their own game. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dude, man. there is a whole stage that literally is moving at like 12 frames per second. The whole <laughs> oh, game. That's terrible. Like, but it's almost like you just accept it. Like, yeah, this is what's going to be. Come on, Nintendo. You got to kill enough people on the stage to eventually get it back to like 24 frames. <laughs> but that's like, <laughs> it's just. I want to build a game that's about beating the state of Chug. <laughs> it's like it's the game the game crowds you with enemies yeah. and the only way to win is to get back to 60 frames per second so you can Ooh. accomplish some task that can't be done 
<laughs> had a low yeah. frame rate. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a, there's a spinning circle that you can only you can only see what direction it's spinning. <laughs> it's going, at the proper frame rate. Like, oh, no. Yeah. No, you know, um but no, like um Borderlands three makes me think about okay. I know this is heresy. I know this is heresy, but I'm going to say it because this is something I've been feeling for a while. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time I've ever said it publicly. Um, but I've actually, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm actually tired of Zelda There's games. No oh, I, I'm tired of Zelda, Zelda games. I've loved Zelda since Ocarina of Time. You know, I've loved uh, Ocarina of Time, of course. I've loved Majora's Mask, Minish Cap. Um, what's the one with train tracks? Spirit tracks. Uh, you know, um, any. You love spirit tracks. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Not spirit tracks. No, spirit tracks. No. There's, yeah, there's, it's called Spirit Tracks. A, the one with train tracks. Yeah, but no, no, no. I don't think mine was Spirit Tracks. There's another one that you draw. Maybe it was Spirit Tracks. No. I don't know. I don't know. I loved whatever game I played where you drew symbols on the DS. It was great. It wasn't... There's two of them. <laughs> I played the first one. I've enjoyed it. Okami? <laughs> Okami? Yes, that's, that is mainly... <laughs> Legend of Zelda. That, what Okami. timeline is that? <laughs> is that the pre-Hyrule Warriors timeline i mean it's got wolf link in it right? that's, yeah. that's a that's a common oh so it, wow look at that that connection this twilight <laughs> the alternate twilight princess where they don't win they don't beat ganon but um but yeah like honestly like i'm i kind of wish they would stop you know it's <laughs> like like i think breath of the wild was awesome and i think it was really cool i almost wish it wasn't zelda like I wish it was just another game that had like its, its own IP. Yeah, they kind of did that with uh, what was that? That Phoenix. Man, game? don't bring up that game. <laughs> this is get that out of my face. That's, <laughs> come on. I'm Wait, saying what? if Phoenix would have had a similar reception, yeah, it probably would have had a similar reception to that because that's pretty much what that game did. Bruh, bruh, I mean, bruh, if it wasn't Zelda, it would have been Phoenix. That's like saying like, oh, like I really loved some game in the PlayStation Two area. Like uh, uh, I don't know, like an action adventure, Metal Gear Solid, whatever. So I really am happy they made Overblood two. For anybody who doesn't know what Overblood is, look it up. Overblood but you 2. are. It, it, you yes, are it is like an open world adventure game with action and laser beam swords and dinosaurs and awesome. Yeah, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Soul Pumpkin Pumpkin. Like it has everything that you'd want in a game, but not no. You know what I'm saying? Like. Like Phoenix Rising, but but what I'm trying to get at is like, well, then Genshin Impact. Okay, that's that's a better that's a better. It's comparison. a different game, but but at the end of the day, like my point is like, I feel like it dilutes what Zelda is because, like for me, it wasn't just the gameplay. Like I didn't just love Ocarina of Time because it was fun and it had Z targeting. I loved it also because it was kind of like an interesting story and. Like, what's going to happen? And you know what I'm saying? Like, the story was kind of like a very integral part of it. Same with Twilight Princess. Same with Minish Cap. Even if the story wasn't like, you know, I don't know, like Last of Us level, you know. Like, but it was it was great. And I feel like Breath of the Wild, like, killed me. Like, it killed me, son. Like, I was like, this story is garbage. Like, like I could not. That's why I stopped, honestly stopped playing it. Like, I was just like. Like I enjoyed playing this, but I, I kind of hate it because it's Zelda. If that, if that, All right. if that makes sense. Speaking of speaking of hated things because of Zelda, 
Did you try changing the voice acting to Spanish? Because the voice acting in that game killed me. <laughs> Zelda's voice actor killed me. And changing it to Spanish made a world of difference. Because suddenly, it doesn't matter as much. Or Japanese, or whatever your preference. So, just just any, so, gi- so any non-English. So gibberish. At the end of the day, the, the story that is best <laughs> when it's not a story that you can understand. That tells you everything. No, no, no. I'm not saying the story is better. This is this is what no, I'm saying, right? Her the story is not better. Her, her, the voice actress was so bad so that I would have preferred no. I would oh, have preferred man. no voice acting whatsoever. Like she killed the entire voice acting for me. She was so, so that went to Spanish. <laughs> it wasn't was she one of the developers. I, Why was she so bad? No, she's a voice. I, actress. She's a voice actress. I. It isn't that she's British. It's like she's just super breathy. She's like, like, you know, I can't believe I don't have my powers yet. Do it's you like, blame dude, her out. or the director? I blame both. I don't know which <laughs> to blame more. I wasn't, I wasn't in the booth. I can't tell you, but fair enough. You know, that was a decision that two people made: the director and God. Um, <laughs> but, I don't think God but, was a part of that. <laughs> don't, no. don't, don't, don't put that on God. God. Made, don't put that on God. I'm just. God made her voice, is what I'm saying. Um, and I'm sure for some uses, it's fine. But uh, what I'm what I'm suggesting, Braston, is that perhaps you would like the story better if it wasn't delivered with her voice. No, no, I, 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 don't know. <laughs> I, I think I think the voice is hilarious. Like to me, I don't want to say it was like unironically British, but like it's okay. <laughs> like okay, okay, I'm gonna tangent, but I want to come back to this point. Okay. There is a movie called Gretel and Hansel. All right. Oh. The movie is absolutely garbage. But the completely like the part that makes absolutely zero sense is that every single character in the whole movie has like a British, European, Italian, you know, you name it, kind of accent. But the main actress in the movie has an American ac- accent. And she's there's n- <gasps> no lore that she's from somewhere else. She was 100% born and brought up in this world but she has an american accent and everybody else has a british like european accent that killed me about that movie i couldn't take it seriously (laughs) similarly zelda breath of the wild is similar like she's really the only british person right like i can't Mm -hmm. but i think her dad had some weird no he he was just regal he's like i am king of hyrule you know like yeah there you go but that's not that's not british You're not British. How do you know? <laughs> I mean, being a king is kind of British. I guess. Oh, yes. I, I, yes. Royalty <laughs> is a British thing. <laughs> it's definitely not an American thing. <laughs> America. Um, but yeah, I think, I think overall the story is just throwaway. Like, honestly, like, I mean, you guys explained to the story to me, re- like, in the last <laughs> one uh, recording of this podcast. In the zero episode. episode. But honestly, like, that's like... That story could have been... Anyway, like, it's just completely garbage to me. Like, what killed me was trying to get those stupid memories and then being like, this (laughs) is so bad. (laughs) It's not worth it. Like, I felt disrespected that I went through all this effort (laughs) to see Zelda in, like, standing near a tree and Link training his sword and her going, you are so good with your sword, Link. I... How do you get so good? And, like, that's the whole thing. And I'm like, okay. Pretty much. (laughs) I'm like, delete this from my hard drive. 
like <laughs> so, from the Sheikah slate. <laughs> so I have a similar, I have a similar story. If you're ready for it, go for it. It's so, here. I mentioned, I mentioned Death Stranding in the last in the zeroth episode. I've been playing that game, and uh, I got to this, I got to this point in the game where this guy thinks that. Did I tell interrupt me if I told this story before? But uh, he thinks that his girl was killed in this terrorist attack, and he blames you and your well, not you specifically, but your company for uh, working with terrorists and blowing up this city where she died and all this other stuff. And you find out that she's not dead, and you tell him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, well, deliver this like fancy hourglass that she made, and if it's really her." then, you know, she'll come with you and she'll come back to me and I'll know it's, you know, I'll know it's her and she's not alive. Because he's not willing to try to take my word for it, which is fair. And I love how the game turns, you know, uh, a missing person's case into a delivery. But <laughs> game. That is Death Stranding. Game design. That's game design, baby. And to be fair, it was actually a pretty cool mission. But uh, I eventually get to, to Homegirl's house, right? And first of all, this old lady answers the door. And I'm like, oh, this must be the guy's wife. Uh, so I guess she's living with her mom. And so she answers and, you know, she's like, oh, thanks for delivering. And then this little girl comes out or not little girl, but whatever, you know, this young lady lady comes out and it's clearly the woman from the video. And she's like, oh, I want to see him. I want to come with him. Dog. She had. So first, let me tell you this. Every person in this game is American. Okay. It's set in the U.S. in what's left of the U.S. Even though it's like you know it's a Japanese game. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Hideo Kojima. I mean, if Very Norman Japanese. Reedus is the lead. It's in Texas. Nor- <laughs> Norman Reedus and his fetus uh, play a starring role in this game. Um. Anyway, she comes out with the thickest, thickest Japanese accent <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> speaking english huh um no i i can't i kid you not i cannot try to do this accent it would be offensive (laughs) um i would i would be canceled immediately (laughs) um i like i pause the game like she's talking i pause in the middle of the cutscene, which you guys know i don't do and i go online and i'm like what is with this girl (laughs) And the people on the forums are like, yeah, I think she's like mentally handicapped or something. I'm like, no, oh. <laughs> you guys have a problem. She's not handicapped. She she's action. just Japanese. <laughs> That's so she's, messed up. Yeah. She's, but like, I, I mean, with the L's and the R's getting mixed around, mm. you know, the, the broken English, the, the, all the words were there. All the sounds were there. You could understand what she was saying. But it was very much like, this is my first English class. <laughs> And I cannot, voice acting. I cannot tell you why they picked her. I assume she's the same voice actress for the Japanese version of the game. How far how far into the game were you? Was this to like get your attention back or something? I'm that's a good question. Uh I could I it's hard to say how far into the game I am. Maybe I'm halfway in. Uh I don't know, man. Anyway, I mean, this, the the dialogue is kind of hokey, but you can live with mm. it. It's it's fun. It's it's just hokey, uh, emotional stuff. So you bring her, with, you bring her with you in a body bag because uh, the rain in this game is deadly, and there's ghosts everywhere. So she's just strapped to your back. Sounds <coughs> normal. In a body normal bag. Normal America. Okay, continue. Just yeah, just normal uh, post-apocalyptic America, and. Uh, you know, you ice some monsters on the way back and you bring her in and 
this guy you're unpacking her and this guy comes out and he helps stand her up and they're looking at each other and they're having this emotional touching thing like you know my mom said you were dead and you know all this other stuff but she's saying it in this ridiculous accent and then later she takes the hourglass that had been a gift to him that he had kept while she thought she was well he thought she was dead and then he gives it to me to deliver and that she sees it and is like oh he's still alive comes back with me takes this hourglass and she's like you know it doesn't matter anymore all that matters is our time together and smashes it on the ground and i'm like oh wow hmm. and then she's like i'm saying i want to marry you and i'm like what? whoa <laughs> excuse me he's like oh, 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 hey i, I just <laughs> wanted you to be how, alive I was, <laughs> girl how japanese is this, this economy um, serious about this <laughs> no this whole time i thought it was his daughter oh like it was i thought it was his daughter and so i was like he's Kinda. american mom's american i mean if it's I alabama guess, i guess the mom left oh, because she doesn't like him anymore but it's his it's not his daughter it's just his girlfriend mm. and that would be his mother-in-law that told her own daughter that her boyfriend was dead nice um sounds right yeah so yeah that was a shock for me but it, and so they're having this touching moment and she's, he's like, you know, I'll never leave you. You know, I'll, I'll change my life around. Because he had been, like, depressed and dejected. And she's responding <laughs> this busted up Japanese English. And You know, it's, it's interesting because, like, uh, uh, you know, for those who don't know, I'm Jamaican by uh, heritage, descent, all of those words. And my whole family, like, all the aunts and uncles are Jamaicans, like, straight from Jamaica. And... Uh, you know, movies <laughs> don't have a great, um, I guess you could say, track record with Jamaican <laughs> accents. It's so disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, me the Jamaican. Like, it's like Jar Jar Binks mixed with, like, you know, it's like just terrible. But um, Black Jar Jar, is that what you're going you know, for? You know, so um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to comment on it. So, so <laughs> there's one game that I've ever played where the Jamaican act, like, it wasn't an accent. They got straight up Jamaicans. Like, they were so Jamaican, they had to translate them in-game. It was, uh, man, I played... They had subtitles? No, no, no. I mean, like, when I say in-game, okay, this was Grand Theft Auto, like, Rose 4 cash. or something. And there was, like, these two Jamaican guys. And it was me and one of my friends, Marcus. Y'all know Marcus. We were playing. He was watching me play. And there was, like, this one period of time where... Like, you had to get a mission from somebody, but it was, like, from this Jamaican guy, right? And the Jamaican guy is like, yeah, my man, get this, I'm ting. And he's saying all these things, like, super, super Jamaican, like, thick accent. The other Jamaican character is translating for him, still with a Jamaican accent, but a little less Jamaican. And I was like, yo, like, rock star. (laughs) They found some real Jamaicans. And they were like, bro, ain't nobody going to be able to understand these people. (laughs) Like, we need to translate like the subtitles weren't even helpful because it was just like, <laughs> like unting and me have go unting. Like it was crazy. It was <laughs> it was wild. Like, but I was like, okay. Like that was when I was like, respect. They got like real people. Like instead of like getting some American person trying to do an Australian accent, just get an Australian. There's Australian voice actors out there. You know what I'm saying? One or two. So it reminds me of that episode, uh, that scene in Airplane with the guy speaking jive. Oh my oh, goodness! Yeah. Oh my gosh! And then the lady. You said, mean the best I scene in the jive. movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Rockstar though, they're on that level, man. They'll 
That's probably an optional mission, too. Yeah, I mean, it was like, like, they were like, I think, main path characters, but like, you didn't have to do all the, I mean, I think that's a thing that I, I, I aspire to as a person, a creator, a developer, game designer, a husband, <laughs> like, I want to be as dedicated to the things that I do in my life as Rockstar is to anything. Because, like, mm-hmm. the level of detail that they go through, like, like it's crazy. Like, when I see a game where they have, like, a poster that you'll probably never see that was clearly handmade and, like, lovingly made by an artist or a designer just to be in a back alley corner next to a dumpster that's, like, right. so realistic. You're like, what in the world? Like... Like how, and it, of course, it takes them years and years to make it. I just don't know if I'd have the resolve sometimes. That's what I think about. Like, could I make it to the finish line making mm-hmm. a game like that? You know. Even when I was a kid, I would think about uh, the radio when you're in the car driving around in the Ooh. radio stations, and the fact that you can change the radio station. And I'm like, so are those shows playing in real time, <laughs> or do they just, right. just pause? Right, like how many hours of dialogue and songs Crazy. and radio banter, radio host banter, did they record just right. for me to skip it and go to a different station? Or turn it off completely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, or that. Yeah, and the game could literally would have still been the great game that it was without the radio, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But, and I think that's like the thing when you're creating something, you don't just you got to think like it's like levels to it, right? Like it's just. I don't know. It's like, how do you get that thought to like take it to the next step down? Like, oh no, no, not only are they gonna drive, they're gonna have a radio. Not only is it gonna be a radio, we're gonna have like real radio personalities, and we're gonna have like real mm-hmm. music, and we're gonna have this and like, you know, even situations unfold. On yeah, the and even yeah, sometimes it's situational on like the weather, like in like some of the games, like they'll say something. You know, it's like what in the world? Like, I don't know, right? You know, and it's like. It reminds me of a quote that I heard, and it's, I, I remember it a lot because it, it it goes into, I guess, my daily tasks, if you want to say. But great design is invisible. Hmm. And it's like, I think games like Grand Theft Auto, where people enjoy them, like it's a palpable enjoyment. And it's, a, you know, on, on the fundamental level, it's a simulation game. And it's just like it's so well designed that the the game itself is like invisible in light of just how enjoyable the experience is. Mm. Like it's crazy. On the other hand, you can have experiences like in Borderlands Three, <laughs> where these stupid obnoxious NPCs will not shut up, and you literally turn the dialogue audio down to like fifteen percent. Just so you can have a modicum of peace. Yeah, I feel like that's when you really don't understand. Like, you really think too well of yourself. You know, like, you think, like, people need to hear this. It's like, it's something that I had to really learn early when creating games, like, uh, is that, like, some people do not care about your story. No matter how much you try to put it in front of their face, they're going to skip that junk. Or they're just going to leave the room. You know what I'm saying? Like... I remember, like, my first game, I let this kid play it, and he was like, your game's really cool, like, and I was like, oh, thank you, he's like, I just wish there was less of the story stuff, like, 
And I was like, oh, that's why I put all my heart. In. <laughs> you know, like, it, it hurt me so bad. But I was like, you know what? That's real. Like, not that I should phone in the story, but I got to realize, like, some people don't care about it. You know, like, that's just some people going to turn the radio off, you know, like, and that's OK. Mm. You know, you got to be OK with that. I think I think it's funny. We're coming back around now. Um, I think Nintendo is an excellent example of going the other way and saying, you know, I, uh, I'm going to have gameplay and put my heart and soul into that. And the story is just a vehicle. And usually mm-hmm. we're fine with that. But if you think about it, Mario games almost all have ridiculously <laughs> stupid or simple stories. Even Legend of Zelda probably has the most story of like mm-hmm. any mainline Nintendo franchise. And in Breath of the Wild, they didn't care. Or not that they didn't care, but they... I'm not know. too familiar, but Metroid probably a, cr- a close second to um, Legend of Zelda. In terms of more story or less story? The most story. Yeah, the most. I said a close second to Legend of Zelda as far well, as like, how much development. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree. At least the early Metroid games had very little story. Um, in fact, they're, like, I think Metroid has zero dialogue barely any words on the screen to begin at you know at all um and later games had more and more dialogue but like all the entirety of metroid 2's story on the game boy came in like i think a splash screen at the beginning of the game like you're on a mission to kill metroids you know from the federation good luck and and everything else they do have a story but it's so they tell it through environmental storytelling and things that you pick up on the way without actual telling you things, telling you things. And so, uh, so I guess in my mind, I'm kind of combining this idea of writing a story and telling a story. And I think like, that's fair. This is where it, it just based off of like the Mario example, where it kind of falls flat in both areas. Like You can't, like there's really no, in especially in like an Odyssey, there's, you can you can tell somebody what happened, but it's not like a story. I think what I was trying to say was that at least in the older Metroid games, what story they have that they do have, they don't tell you. They they tell it as we just talked about, but they mm-hmm. also just didn't have much story. Like, you know, everything, all the lore has been built up around the games after the fact, and newer games have their own lore, but like. A lot of stuff that we know about Samus's life comes from like the Metroid manga and newer games. The old games didn't have anything. They, it was just open for your imagination. You know what? You might have just changed my mind about my perspective on Zelda Breath of the Wild. Because Uh-oh. because as I'm reflecting on, you know, I'm I'd like to say that I'm pretty well versed in the history of games. I very much love video games and something I really really do care about and knowing the history of zelda knowing that the first game is exactly like you described metroid right like hey save the princess <laughs> you know like it was just like <laughs> like and there was maybe some stuff in the booklet but like 90 percent of that was just completely just garbage they made up because they gotta have some kind of story right but really the focus was the gameplay and nintendo's always been 100 percent gameplay first right and that's why they're Ooh. So good at whatever game they make. They made Mario Golf. That game is fire, son. Like that don't even make no sense. But um it really doesn't. But I think the reason I'm going back is because now that I think about it, I recall 
like an interview or reading something where the designers of Breath of the Wild really wanted to return to the original style of Zelda, right? The original oh, Zelda yeah. is an open world game, if you think about it, right? Like you're just, yeah. just adventuring. And the story was took a back seat. I think probably how I feel about it is that the story should have been completely like just almost non- I mean, I guess you have to have a story. You got to put it as a bullet point. But I just think, I think number one, the story is just badly executed. But I respect what they're, you know, now I got to go back and play the game, man. Oh, my goodness. Because now, now I have a respect for it differently because I'm like, you know, this is a game about adventure, exploring. And, and I'll say this, when I kind of forgot about the story, that I was playing a Zelda story game, um, I had some really cool experiences that I really enjoyed. I think it was any time that I started to invest in the storyline that I got really discouraged and disappointed. And I was like, nah, I'm good. So now I might have to change my opinions, man. Yeah. Now you got me thinking about it, too, is that it it does seem like it wants to like straddle the fence Mm -hmm. as far as either it's open world or it's going to guide you in the story. It's like if you want to go for the story stuff, there's so much, which is good. But a lot of it, it like overstays its welcome mm-hmm. in its pieces. So like if you just want to experience a little bit, just get a little nugget, it's it's kind of harder to do that unless you have like the little one-offs, <clears throat> I guess you can call. Like where if you meet people on the, on the side of the road or something, they're only going to bring you to one place and do something. But if you do something like with a main character, and then like it, it turns into like this hours and hours thing that you kind of can't get out of. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't, you can leave, but it's just like there's not... And maybe it's just me, but it just feels like that you kind of get stuck until you finish whatever they ask you to do. It's, it's interesting. And then you can go. It's interesting that you say that because I would say that from my time playing the game, the weakest parts, the game, the parts that I dislike the most is when I was being told to go a certain direction and it felt like I had to do a particular thing and it just felt like it was mm-hmm. kind of weak. But my favorite parts was just interacting with random villagers and doing some random quests and then some mm-hmm. random like outcome of this Thing that I was doing, I was like, "Oh, that was unexpected," and that was kind of cool. So yeah, I, I feel you on that. Like it almost felt like they, yeah, yeah, like maybe the story was an afterthought, honestly, and and all of the world interactions, engagements was like, you know, first part and Paramount. yeah. I think honestly, they should have just stepped away from like trying to pretend like the story was anything. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, they had to have you know a, a, a conceit. Yeah, but look, but you just described it—the Mario games, right? Like, mm-hmm. like what really happened in you know Mario Galaxy Odyssey? Like, who cares? Like, I, I, I would say like, I, I can't even tell you if I skipped the cutscenes or if I watched them because they just are so irrelevant to me. <laughs> it's about the same, yeah. you know, and they're so short. Yeah, like, well, it's I think there's a slight difference there, and I was actually about to bring this up anyway, but. What Breath of the Wild loses in storytelling, or whatever, the main story, I think it really makes up for in lore, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, And that's something in, in, in general that the Zelda franchise is huge on, is lore. So even if the individual stories of what happens aren't that important, all the history we learn about what came before and the way that the story is stitched together, people are obsessed with it. And... I mean, it's really cool when you're just going through the countryside and talking to people and hearing about, like, you hear about how Hyrule used to be before Calamity Ganon took over. And 
you hear about these relationships between the Hylians and the Zora, or like, and all this, all this, all this stuff that happened. And I think the difference between that and Mario is that Mario doesn't have any consistent lore. Like, it's at least not that I'm aware of. It seems very unclear how any of the games relate to each other if they're in the same universe. Right. I mean, they just they just casually bring in like new areas all the time. They have reoccurring characters of sometimes, but sometimes the new characters just never exist again. Um, the Mario lore is just <laughs> it's, it, it's actual nonsense. It, so like, it no one, facilitates the gameplay. Yeah. That's all it's there to do. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. You know, I'm not 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 critiquing that, but I think that makes it it's a different experience. Like we don't expect Galaxy to make sense from from <laughs> a bird's eye view. Yeah, I, I sometimes wonder if like they accidentally made great lore like they just naturally like you know like uh, you haven't played ocarina of time uh steve but like mm. there's like you know how you said the lore of the world like there's in 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 uh have you played twilight princess steve yes so twilight princess kind of reminds me of ocarina of time in the sense that you in you ru- encounter these like magical creatures who are kind of like you know beings from you know almost before time you know and they yeah. like have powers that you don't understand. It's like, oh my goodness, like kind of like what makes Star Wars cool, right? Like what's happening? Yeah. You know? It's the fantasy side. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that they, you know, and and not that I'm a master of Japanese culture, but I, I do think that Japanese culture really does a great job of imbuing uh stories that have been passed along within their culture into their games yeah you know like things that Mm -hmm. seem like oh this is really random it's like no this river spirit is like actually a thing like a you know like maybe a shinto god or something like that and they kind of wrap it in and then they change it but they kind of put a lot of different pieces in and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like it comes together magically and it it almost feels like when they try to make an American story because it really fe- that's what it feels like. Breath of the Wild is like this weird American, almost Americanized Ooh. kind of story, you know, instead of more of an anime, you know. Really, well, not really dig into yeah. the fantasy side. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. Not to mention, it does feel like it's too grounded at times. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, it's it's very fantastical. Absolutely, you know? a lot of it. You know, doesn't make sense, but I think I, I think I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like I think if it's I think it's I don't think it's grounded. I would say that there's not as much crazy stuff happening, but there's not a lot of events in the game. So I think that's just why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a mixture of all those things. Yeah. Like it's, you know, if you ever heard about plots, there's like character driven and event driven. And uh, the game is kind of character driven because you explore the world and like things happen because you do them. But there's some event driven things, right? Like, oh, the beast if it doesn't do this, then this doesn't happen and da-da-da-da, right? But, yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's one of those situations where, like we've described, it was like they had a focus, but they felt they needed to add something because people care about it. But, like, I don't know. It just felt hokey, you know? Like, it just felt yeah. hokey. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, there's only two canonical events in the entire game, which is Link wakes up, and then Link kills Ganon, or Calamity Ganon. Like, nothing else that happens in the game can really be truly said to be part of the story because mm-hmm. it's not, they don't make you do it. Very true. And I guess it kind of feels that way as a result. Mm, exactly. That's a very good so point. So plot-wise, it feels like nothing happens. And the only plot we do get is memories. 
And those are not character driven. Those are things that happened. They definitely happened. Whether you get the memory or not, it definitely happened. But it happened before the game. <laughs> no impact on anything. Exactly. exactly. And, and I think they did that on purpose, right? They made them so that they wouldn't have an impact because if you, it was kind of a bonus, right? To get it. Sure. And normally like a bonus, like, oh, I'm going to figure out something cool about the story. It's normally like feels cool, but like it's just, you know, Mario characters playing golf, you know, in many ways, like it's just, hey, like this is a thing, like, but we don't want you to actually have to get it because we don't want it to affect the story, you know, like right. this is just more of a a history of things. That's very interesting. Man, y'all done messed me up, man. I'm over here trying to hate Breath of the Wild and now I'm over here re- <laughs> reevaluating everything. Um, For what it's worth, it's a good game. Yes, definitely. Gameplay wise, just just think about weapon sma- weapon breaking, and you'll hate it again. <laughs> oh, gosh. you know, you know what? I I dislike weapon breaking a lot less than I dislike random rain that makes it impossible for me to finish climbing up a thing that I've already gotten seventy five percent of the way up that I spent twenty minutes climbing, and then I have to wait for the rain cycle to finish before I can mm, continue. That's real, and you can't build a fire to wait it out <laughs> because it's raining. And the game gives you, or you have the ability to purchase like climb a climber's outfit mm-hmm. at one point, and it has no effect on the rain. Like you, you still can't climb. Yeah, that. And so it's like the solution was there. You want to have this mechanic in here that deters me. I need to overcome. Fine, but give me a way to do yeah, it. Give me a way to overcome it, right? Like, and yeah, like if I can't, if I can't, if I like. Like, okay, I made it 75% up this mountain. My only other option is to slide down and hopefully not die, <laughs> you know? Right. Or I just wait it out. And I think that those are, you know, well, once again, systems, right? That I don't necessarily think they designed it to be annoying like that, but it's just a consequence. Well, it's def- yeah, I think it's a byproduct. I think it's really interesting because, you know, I hear that complaint a lot, specifically about the rain. And it's not like I have any technology or techniques that you that you guys don't have, but the rain really doesn't bother me. Uh, maybe I, I I I don't know. I just feel like oh, I can't do this right now. I got I'll do I'll go do something else. I'll say that it was an issue for me until I stopped climbing as much, and it was the reason between that and having to choose whenever I had my orbs to get more stamina or more health or whatever and not put enough stamina in the beginning because I wasn't sure what I needed to do. All that mess. But nice. I would say that the game pretty much guided me from from a, a, from the, the early part between both of those things not to climb. Well, I will say this. In the early part, assuming you do the animals, the divine beasts, in the way they want you to, if you start with... Um, Oh god, the I forget Zora. the names. The elephant, the Zora. Yeah, the Zora domain. Um, it's raining a ton. That's part of the story. That's that's meant to guide to keep you from climbing, to guide you along a specific path. Mm-hmm. So like that's I, I don't think like anyone should complain about that. Obviously, I don't mind. I, I, I actually say, completely forgot about that section. Okay, good. Yeah. Just making sure. I will say I had a great time with that. I recently restarted the game in master mode, which is uh insanely hard and um i decided i didn't want to go down that path especially not in master mode and so i went all the way around i guess lanny mountain and i found a path that i could climb up the back of the mountain with my you know very low stamina 
and no weapons or anything. And I basically climbed up and I came in from the back door to the Zoro domain and didn't have to take the, the rainy path at all. Nice. And I was so proud of myself. <laughs> and to me, that's what Breath of the Wild is about, right? It's about it definitely thrives in those moments. Coming up with new ways to do something stupid. And then I tried to, because I, I ended up on top of the mountain, I tried to paraglide to the elephant, which was basically right below me in this giant lake. And you're supposed to like talk to the royals and then get in the lake and surf around and do this little mini game and then you can get in the elephant. Mm-hmm. But I was like, let me just paraglide to him because I'm definitely close enough. Uh, and a giant barrier appeared and like took out half my hearts and threw me back at the mountain <laughs> and I almost died. So oh, no. there's, there's, <laughs> there's pros and cons to trying things your own way. <laughs> but for the most part, it supports you. Well, I, I want to, this is a slight change of conversation, but I, I think the reason that that particular element of the rain like this allowing me to climb is because I'm an adult now and I don't have time <laughs> for that. You know, like it's that's fair. It's kind of like when I play Apex, right? The biggest issue I have with Apex is me waiting around to load and get into the main menu, right? Like like I almost like whenever I play, I kind of turn Apex on and I load it the first time and then I go do something else because I know the first time I won't get in and the second time I'll get in and then the game freezes. Like I figured this out. But to, to me, that's super annoying that I have to like mm-hmm. optimize my life to play a game. And I'll tell you this, like the reason I don't get to play many games is because I have so much other things that I'm doing and want to do that. Like when I play a game, I want to play it for the 30 minutes to an hour. And if I'm like, ooh, I want to get to the top of this mountain within this 20 minute experience that I have and then it rains, it kills me. Like it kills my spirit for the whole rest of the day because all I want to do is like have some fun, you know? And I think that's the problem I have with it. Like when I was like 12, it probably wouldn't have bothered me. You know, when I was 21, it probably wouldn't have bothered me. When I was 25, it probably wouldn't have bothered me. And I think really honestly, now that I, just feel like I have more responsibilities in lives and more things to do and gaming experiences like, you know, are very, very precious to me. Like it hurts more when I feel like I spend like me and Kyle tried the other day to play um, Halo online together, you know, oh, gosh. dude, that destroyed my spirit, you know, like yeah, it, it destroyed really my bad. spirit. Yeah. Like it's like, was it long wait times? Well, we couldn't get it to work. Exactly. And we spent like, I don't know how long, maybe 45 uh, minutes to yeah, an hour. It, yeah, close to an hour. Yeah, basically. basically <laughs> Looking the, at stuff online. Mm-hmm. Like we're over here trying to do this and change port forwarding, da, 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 da. But honestly, that was like the time that we finally got to play a game together, right? Like Kyle's got a schedule, mm-hmm. I got a schedule, right? And our hours destroyed because of some weird, you know, and it. Who knows what? Something that they're aware of, it seems like, because mm-hmm. they had support on their page, but it was all this, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, there wasn't anything direct. And it was through, we were playing through Steam. Through Steam. You know what? I've recently had issues playing Gears of War with some of my friends. And I, and it, it, it just popped up all, all of a sudden. Like, I, I basically, every time we start playing, uh, I get kicked out of the game, and then I can't get back in again. Mm-hmm. And I wonder... It couldn't be the same issue, but it is Xbox, so it might be the same issue. It might be. 
I mean, I'm playing on the PC through Steam as well, but it does have to connect to Xbox's servers. And and, and that, to me, is really kind of one of the core reasons that I enjoy the console over a PC any day is because I know that 90% of the time, 95% of the time, Mm -hmm. when I sit down in front of my PS4 and I boot it up and I play the game, hoping that it doesn't have an update because that's the worst. But if it doesn't have an update, I'm going to play the game. I don't know how many times I got on Steam and some weird thing and then Steam wants to log me out and then all of a sudden it's being weird and it's crashed and I can't load the game, but it needs a thing that Steam random hook. And then I go online and I find out, oh, that this driver is weird and you got to do it. Like, dude, I just want to play my game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you mm-hmm. know. I paid for it. This is the time I set aside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel disrespected, I, man. I've had that experience a few times with Steam, yeah. And and I and I expect like the older we get, the more disrespectful these moments will feel. You know, when we have children, when we have older parents that we need to help, our you know we're all maybe we are married and this and that, and we're more involved in the community, and we're doing a lot of things, and we just want hey, I got an hour. Oh, right. Steam got an update. Oh, <laughs> right. You know. I think a lot of people assumed too that um, we would give up gaming at some point once we got mm. up to this age, just because when gaming was on the rise, you know, we were younger. Like we grew up with this stuff, but people who were older than us that gamed, they kind of grew out of it. Yeah, around around the age we are now. But and so there aren't a whole lot of developers who are really targeting us specifically. People who you know don't want to give it up necessarily but still have the we have the same reasons i guess and responsibilities why people did give it up it just wasn't as integral and a big part of of their life as it is for us yeah that's a really that's a really interesting and maybe true like it's yeah like the like for us because it's so integrated into our lives it's like a part of what we do Right. Like it's not just mm-hmm. a thing that we did, you know, um, and it's a, not only is it a part of us individually, it's a part of our culture. Right. Like mm-hmm. if you if you miss out on the like the latest Zelda game, you're behind, you know, all your friends who, you know, so it's kind of like there's also the oh, no, like what, what's it called? FOMO, you know, like, FOMO. you know, and and that's kind of how it's now embedded. And so and yeah, like there's no games that are just like targeting I think that's what indie games try to do. Like, they're made by kind of normally older people who've had gaming in their lives. So they try to make uh, older games for themselves, which essentially resonate amongst more adults. So I wonder as, like, we age more, like, now we're in our 40s. Like, will the gaming landscape, maybe even the indie ga- la- gaming landscape look different, you know? Right. I wonder if the game indie gaming landscape will ever, ever, goodness, will ever transition out of pixel art. <laughs> Likely not. Until I think it's here to stay. Until pixel art becomes yeah. different. <laughs> I think it's just a, a question of what's the easiest possible thing you can do with a small team. Um, so, yeah, that's never yeah. going away. Which I find to be, I don't know, from as someone who's worked in both 3D and in pixel art, I don't really see, other than the accessibility of the tools, mm-hmm. I don't see that big of a time difference. You know, I mean, if it's a smaller game and you're making like flat backgrounds, 
then for sure 2D makes more sense. But the complexity of these games that are coming out now, unless they're buying asset packs, they're spending just as much time. Well, think about think yeah. about it this way. How do you start your design career? You probably started by drawing on paper, right? And mm-hmm. by drawing on paper, that's a flat 2D thing. So you can probably translate your skills more easily to a flat 2D thing if you're a good artist than trying to take these cool anime looking designs into a 3d world that feels right you know because now you got to worry about the front the back the side if somebody looks up if somebody looks down you know like there's just so many more elements and i just feel that and then i think you hit the nail on the head with the tool price as well i think that's you know there's so many more free you know 2d things and and there's tools that kind of can take a higher level resolution thing and bring it down to look more but so few indie develop, so so few indie games use like high resolution high resolution models. Like it's either pixel art or it's low poly. Yeah, and I guess those are the ones that I'm kind of comparing. Is that you know if it's only got fifty vertices, <laughs> you know, mm. you, it 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 looks enough like what it's supposed to look like, kind of like your you know shabby pixel art does mm-hmm. but Dang. i guess the argument i'm making no but i'm saying the argument i'm making though is that this the pixel art that they're making isn't shabby like this is some really high level stuff and i think it's nostalgic as well i think it just means more right like you grew up looking at these things and you're now making the thing that you loved you know like i, I think yeah. there's some of that motivation that drives people to put in the effort and put in the work because they're like oh man you know i want to make a game just like name the game you know when I was when I was twelve, when I was eight, you know, because um, I think that's ninety percent of what indie games are like, <laughs> driven by like developers at least for sure. Nostalgia. I want to play Harvest Moon. I want to play Doom. Doom. I want to, play, you know, like they're focused on the thing that they no longer that no longer exists, right? Mm-hmm. Keisha won't play some games that I suggest because she doesn't like them when they look blocky. Mm-hmm. Drives me crazy. No voxels. <laughs> no, no. She means pixels. Like she doesn't like pixel art. But, she, but doesn't oh. she like uh, what's it called? Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. She does like Stardew Valley, so I don't know how she puts up with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think she just has to play a game and then realize she likes it. That's like. <laughs> yeah. Got to get past the visuals. I mean, that's, that's the hurdle too. She she dates Harvey. In Stardew Valley, this this <laughs> pixely mustache and his goofy glasses. She's like, "Oh, he looks like you." I'm like, "No, he doesn't." I think, um, but I but it's funny that she doesn't like pixel art, but she can see me in this pixelated two D you know, portrait of Harvey. <laughs> she loves dating them nerds. <laughs> you know, I think it's the same thing with like any art form, like you know, anime. Like, oh, I'm not watching that. That's so. That's like that weird Japanese like nerd stuff you know mm-hmm. or like me Cartoon. me trying to get somebody into mma like they just see it as like dudes punching each other in blood and oh man conor mcgregor's ankle broke i'm like that's yeah, that's what? like the one percent thing like 90 percent of fights don't even look like that matter of fact 90 percent of fights man. are like Hugs. yeah and you know in in understanding you know like i think there's a, i think that's like the, yeah oh. what are you saying kyle i was gonna say <clears throat> um those highlights, though, is like that's usually what people gravitate to whenever there's something that's foreign. Because that's a similar thing happens like when people go to watch monster trucks. Like a lot of people want to go watch it because they want to see them flip. 
But then you get there, and then they actually kind of rarely flip. Mm. And so people are disappointed. So are you big into monster trucks? I've never heard you mention it before. Oh, yeah, man. I what? went to Monster Jam a lot when I was a kid. My brother actually sent us uh, information about something that's going down in, uh, I want to say, August. Oh, wow. The family might go to. Yeah, I've been to one monster truck show in Atlanta. It was so loud. That's the one thing I remember as a kid. Like, it was so oh, loud, man. but if I could feel it and I loved it. It was like feeling just everything. It's just like, just, yeah. And like, you know, normally things were just like the, there's like this giant truck with like 20 wheels. It was so awesome. You know, I, I, I've never, <laughs> I haven't got a chance to go again, but you know, hey, man, if you tell me one and I'm down, I'll go, you know, let me know. Well, you ain't here no more. Hey, you come find one in Midground. Come like Atlanta or something. Eight hours up. I could. I All right, guys, get <laughs> get a room, guys. <laughs> Haters gonna hate. <laughs> well, you know. Speaking of getting just for that, you can't. You can. You ain't coming. We gonna need to tell you. We gonna take pictures, put it on Instagram. We gonna <laughs> hashtag. We. Oh, I wonder where Steve is. <laughs> hashtag no Steve. <laughs> hashtag Haters gonna hate monster trucks. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know on that note of getting a room i don't know if that's even a good segue <laughs> we should we're gonna probably wrap up this episode um i appreciate you guys listening to us talk and ramble about all kind of things you know like honestly i have so much more to say about all these topics <laughs> for sure um and i know they'll come back up for, you know again when we talk again but um yeah man it's always a joy talking to you brothers man uh, thank you kyle thank you steve you know, any last remarks before we end this episode? Always a pleasure, man. Uh, I think weapon durability in Breath of the Wild is underrated and should be appreciated more. And uh, with that, Ooh. you know, the show will no longer have Steve on it, but we appreciate <laughs> you and your time and uh, your opinions are not valued here. So, <laughs> no, but really. Borderlands 3 is a great game. <laughs> Borderlands 3 great, is a great, great game. It is a, a testament to what we can do as a human civilization. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm sorry. <laughs> Borderlands 3 is boo-boo. That's the official take. <laughs> That's the lesson for today. That's the for today. But once again, thank you guys for checking out this episode of Super Agile Brothers. Um, we love you guys. And we will talk to you guys again. Y'all take it easy. Peace. Deuces.